the Lord lead my heart to speak on the topic walking in the spirit. Amen. Amen. It's up to a month the Lord laid this one in my heart. And so I was very much excited last Sunday when we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are so many dimensions to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit of God can do in our lives. Today, I just zero on just one aspect, walking in the Spirit. Amen. Walking in the Spirit. As a preamble, we are going to take a text from Ephesians chapter 4. The reason that as a Christian, we should have a purpose in our spiritual growth. When you grow up, what do you want to become? Is it just a minister? If you are a minister, what do you really want to experience as a minister? There is a purpose, there is a goal. And it's clearly defined in Ephesians chapter 4. And I believe every Christian ought to pursue this purpose and goal. When God gave gifts to men, gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers, the purpose, that's Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen! This is my goal. This is the purpose why the gifts of God, the, the ministerial gifts are given to the church. This is the purpose. And I, as an individual, want to come to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto the perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. When you attain this, you become Christ-like. You have to have this vision. You have to set this vision before you and pursue it in the spirit of holiness. Amen. Yes. That said, we go on to Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. Galatians 5 verse 16. This was said. This I say then, walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God wants us to walk in the spirit. The reason is that so that we will not fulfill the works of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. Now where there is a barrow in the life of every Christian, every one of us will have barrow between the flesh and the spirit. Because man is made up of spirit, soul, and body. The flesh likes to do things that are worldly. The flesh 
delights in things that just that gratify the natural man. But we are no longer natural men. Amen? Amen. We have become supernatural. We have become spiritual. We are no longer mere men or mere women. Please take note of that. You just have to know who God has made you to be. When you walk in the flesh, you are walking as mere men. But God wants us to walk in the supernatural. He wants us to walk in the spirit. Amen. Amen. There is a continuous warfare inside of every believer. And we find this in Ephesians chapter 6, 12 to 18. We are not reading. There is a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit wants to please God so as to arrive at that goal that is set for us to become Christ-like. The flesh draws us back. The flesh wants us to behave like the world. The flesh wants us to behave like mere men. Like ordinary men. We are not ordinary. One reason why you are not ordinary is that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Amen? Even if you are not yet baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You carry God. Paul talks about so many religions and all about in Christianity. It's a personal relationship with God, the Creator. He comes and dwells inside of you. At the new birth, Christ comes to take residence in you. That's why we are told, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Jesus Christ is not physically in us as, as uh, the Son of Man, but is here with us in the Spirit. So you carry God. Amen? You don't have to travel to see God. Your very temple has become the temple of the living God. Amen. 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 But God's desire is that we become spiritual. He has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not dictate to us. The Holy Spirit will lead us, will woo us to God's will, to do what is right and proper and pleasing to God. The flesh, the other side. This is why we need to put on the armor of God. Talk about faith. Talk about the shield of faith. Talk about the helmet of salvation. You know, the belt of truth. The fish shot with the preparation of the gospel, etc. If you read it, that's um, Ephesians 6, 12 to 18. You see how to put on the gospel armor. You must put it on all the time. So that you'll be able to resist the flesh. Many of us talk about enemies, 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 enemies. Most often we forget that we have an eternal enemy. The eternal enemy is the flesh. That human natural nature in us that had the tendency to lead us back to Egypt. To where we came from before we were born again. That's the greatest enemy actually. If you can overcome that, then you overcome the devil and every other thing. Amen. So we never think about that enemy within. Inside of you, the enemy within. So we must overcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Galatians 5, 19-21 tells us further about the nature of the two, of the two, the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5, 19-21 now the works of the flesh, when you talk about the flesh, 
are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, so I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They do which do such things. But the natural man does these things. This is the way of the natural man. All these things are done in the flesh. And the tendency for a Christian to go back is always there because of the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. That is why there is warfare. You and I must overcome in Jesus' name. When we overcome, the flesh cannot overtake us. Some people go to Romans 7 and talk always about Apostle Paul as if that was his present condition or the last condition before he went to meet the Lord. There was a time he had that struggle. Had that struggle. The flesh always wanting to overcome the spirit. But he said, who can deliver me from this? Say, thanks be to God. The Lord delivered him. Amen. The Lord delivered him. And you too can be delivered from the words of the flesh, from the influence of the flesh, so that you will be spiritual, so that your ways will be pleasing in the sight of God. Verse 22 of Galatians 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and laws. Amen? Amen. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. If the spirit of God dwells in you, if the Holy Ghost is in you, then let us walk in the spirit. He has a way that he likes us to walk. And that is why we're talking about this subject. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another another. So we see the two sides, the flesh and the spirit. When you have the fruit of the spirit, you become spiritual. You become Christ-like. Ultimately you want to become Christ-like. So they will have joy, a lot of joy all the time. Not circumstantial. Not only while you are in the church or in the midst of brethren. Anywhere in all situations. We are going to see later uh, the example of uh, Apostle Paul. You know, when he was in this particular situation, when he ought to have been moody and all that, but the joy of the Lord became his strength. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. You need to be gentle. If you are not gentle, you'll be rash. You'll be rude. If you are not good, you'll be bad. Faithfulness, meekness. To be meek and to be temperate in all things. All these are the virtues that we need. Now, some of us, we delay the day when we grow unto maturity. It's not as if anybody has arrived. But once the, a while, we need to check, where am I in, in the Christian race? Am I really growing? Am I still a baby crawling? Or am I growing up? With time, we ought to grow up to become more Christ-like. Amen? Yes. We have not arrived. Nobody has arrived. 
But we ought to have that vision in view that God wants us to become Christ-like and be filled with the Spirit and also walk in the Spirit. We all have temptations in the flesh to do all those things that we read, all those vices. Temptations always come one way or the other. Temptation itself is not a sin. To be tempted, say you are tempted, you have no sin. It's when you yield to temptation, that's when it becomes sin. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Amen? Amen. Yes. Temptations are initial impressions to do something contrary to God's will. Temptations are common to all men and women and children as they did to our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was tempted in all things, but he did not sin. Somebody say, is it possible to live without sin? Jesus Christ has showed us the example. God Almighty, who we cannot see, he became man so that men can become like God in character. Amen. Temptation becomes sin when we meditate on them. A thought comes, an impure thought comes, comes to you. It's not sin at that moment, but you begin to meditate upon it. Suppose I really do this. Suppose I really say this. And it's evil. You are meditating. You are giving it a conception. After some time, it will come to maturity and you give birth to sin. But that shall not be your portion in Jesus' name. In James chapter 1, 12 to 15, we are told about the progression in the thought that leads to sin eventually. And it ought not to be so. When the thought comes, and you know it's evil, that's the time to reject it. No meditation. No giving second chance to it. James chapter 1, 12 to 15. Bless the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man think when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. If you are receiving temptation, don't ever think for one reason. Whether you know the scripture or not, whether, oh, God is tempting me. No. It doesn't tempt you. Because temptation is an inducement to sin. God doesn't do that. He's the enemy. But we have to resist. So let no man say, when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That happens in the heart. That happens in the mind. Then when lust had conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 10 13, we are told they had no temptation taking you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape 
that ye may be able to bear it. That's First Corinthians 10, 13. That one encourages me a lot. That whatever comes my way, God has already known the end from the beginning. You know that, oh, I, John, I can overcome this. If you, are, if you are having any temptation right now, you can overcome. That is why God allowed it to come your way. He will not allow any temptation to come your way that you cannot overcome. So don't confess the negative. Oh, I don't think I can make it through this temptation. I must fall. No, that's negative. With God, all things are possible. Christ in you, the hope of glory. How confident that in the first place, God will not allow a temptation to come your way that you know that you are not capable of overcoming. Just have that confidence. Amen. Yes, the conflict between the spirit and the flesh is largely resolved by an act of deliberate will. We're talking about how to walk in the spirit. We help you to overcome the flesh. Surrender yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit and face the temptations in his power. Hand over everything to Jesus. Walk in the spirit. Of ourselves we can do nothing, but with him we can do all things. When we live in the spirit according to the word of God, we will not gratify the words of the flesh. Amen? We will not do those things that are of the flesh when we yield ourselves to the spirit. The devil is like a caged animal. You go to a zoo and you see the lion. Ordinarily, you wouldn't want to get so close to the lion. But when it's caged, you can. Look at it. There's a cage. There's a barrier. So long as there's a barrier caging the lion, be rest assured that it cannot hurt you. Amen? Devil is like a roaring lion. He has been caged. Amen. Jesus Christ overcome him. You only need to enforce Satan's defeat. So Satan is like a roaring lion. It's not a lion. It's like. But you are more than able to overcome him in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. When we live by the Spirit, we become overcomers of the flesh. This is a continuous one. Every day of the week, not sometimes, not in the mornings only or afternoon, evening time, night time, all time, every moment. That's why we have to walk in the spirit. Overcoming the flesh is walking in the spirit. It's made possible by God himself. In the Old Testament, we had a lot of laws, commandments, regulations. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this. It was difficult for the, for the law to save any man. In fact, it was impossible. Nobody could be perfected by the law. Nobody could be saved by the law. But thanks be to God that in Christ Jesus we have redemption. Amen. Amen. And then he has given us his spirit an enablement to overcome. In other words, what we are really just talking about today as one of the benefits of Holy Ghost baptism is that he helps us. He helps us to walk in the spirit. He guides us. So focus on those two. There are many other benefits of Holy Ghost baptism. But we are just zeroing on Holy Spirit helping us to walk in the spirit. In accordance with the will of God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Let's read it. Philippians 2 13. For it is God which walketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you read other translations, it will bring us so clearly. 
what this verse means is that God does not only tell you what you need to do, He gives you the willing heart to do His will, and then He gives you the enablement to do His will. He gives you that desire. Then He gives you the enablement, the power to do His will. That's what God has done for us in the New Testament under grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is why it's not by, by flesh. The work, you know, overcoming the flesh is by the power of God. But we have to allow the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit is gentle, very gentle. And the Bible says we should not grieve the Spirit of God. Amen? Yeah, because he can, you know, he can take flight somehow. Or he can be grieved because of sin. Because we do things that are not pleasing to God. Like unbelief can grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't do those things that will grieve the Spirit. Let the Spirit always be there to speak to you all the time. Does God speak to us? Yes. Every one of us, God speaks to us. If you don't know God speaks to you, it's because you have not studied no, or you have not asked questions about that. God speaks to you. He leads you through your conscience. He speaks to you through the spirit man in you. Amen? Amen. Yeah, he can speak through dreams, visions, and other kinds of revelation. But most commonly, he speaks to you through the still small voice, the gentle leading of the spirit, the prompting of the spirit of God in you. That's how God speaks to us. And if we study it very well, we'll be able to adapt and know how God speaks to us. God speaks to you. Just recognize how God speaks to you. Amen? Yes. It is a life of walking moment by moment, day by day, in the fullness and the power of God's spirit. Independence upon him. We are to depend upon the Lord. You know, in John chapter 15, we're told that Jesus says he's the vine, and we are the branches. The branches cannot do anything. The branches cannot bear fruit without the trunk, without the main vine. Because the vine receives the nutrients, water, and everything, and it stands. And then the branches you know, emanate from the trunk. But if you cut off the branch, it cannot last for a long time. It will wither away because it's devoid of nutrients and water. So it cannot survive. Spiritually speaking and symbolically, Jesus Christ says he is the vine and we are the branches. We should abide in him continuously. Not sometimes we abide in him, then after that time we don't. No, continually, moment by moment. When we do this, we receive the refreshment, the nutrient from the soil. As in Christ Jesus, the nutrient of the word of God, the power of God will lead us and guide us. Amen. We must live by faith and draw daily upon his strength. Draw daily upon his power. Draw daily upon his wisdom. When we need wisdom, and dwell daily upon his love. It is a practicing God, it is practicing God consciousness. Because God is in you, and you want to please him that's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. It is having, a, is having Christ foremost in our affections. We talk about walking in the spirit. Just having Christ foremost before you, before others. Christ first. Others second, me last. 
That's the life of, that's the priority of a consecrated, crucified Christian. Christ first, others second, me last. When we come to that state of brokenness, you know what is called, you know, Christ-likeness. Amen. All of us, you should aim at coming to that level. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Let's see what the Bible says there. Colossians 1 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, there's another scripture that brings that to light. Uh, Revelation 4, verse 11. Revelation 4, verse 11 tells us that, look, Christ created all things for his own pleasure. Yeah, Revelation 4, 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Amen. Everything, all about me. You know, it's not about me, but about Jesus. Realizing that we are saved, not for ourselves, but for him who created all things by himself and for himself. It is, it is loving God with all our strength, loving God with all our soul, loving God with all our mind and with all our hearts. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, you find that. And also Mark 12, verse 30. So, when we take God as number one, worshiping with all our strength, with all our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our heart, it becomes number one. Jesus has to be number one in our life. If he's Lord, indeed, he must be number one in my life and in your life. Amen. It's not Lord indeed if not if it's not Lord of all aspect of your life. He has to be Lord of all in thought, in word, and deed. Even your will, you give out, you, you surrender your will to his will. That is being led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Walking in the Spirit is to please and honor the Lord who delights to have fellowship with us. God delights to have fellowship with us. For us to enjoy fuller riches, when we have fellowship with God and walk in the Spirit, we enjoy the fuller riches of His glory and have more exciting life. Amen. Amen. Yes. To be more fruitful in our witness for Him. John chapter 15, verse 16 tells us that. Without Him, we can do nothing. But if we abide in Him and He in us, then we shall bring forth fruit that we abide. Sharing Christ with others it's an expression of gratitude and as an act of obedience to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Sharing Christ with other people is an act of expression of gratitude to the Lord of what God has done for you. Then it's also an act of obedience to the Lord. And the net result is walking in the Spirit. Do you share your faith with other people? If you are walking in the spirit, the spirit will always prompt you to lead you. Well, this is your friend. This is your friend. Has he known? Has she known God? Is she in Christ? You are happy. You are in Christ. 
But is he in Christ? Is she in Christ? Love of God. Holy Spirit will, will tell you, oh, why not just share testimony? But you are the one who will always say, no, 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 no. Flesh is trying to say, no, no, don't, don't obey, don't obey. That's the flesh. The Spirit of God will say, oh, talk to this person. You just have the opportunity. Just talk. Flesh will say, no, no, don't talk. Don't, no. no reason. But that's the flesh for you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes, to please God and honor God, who, who delights to have fellowship with us. A man of God once said, he says, since every Christian is commanded to be a witness for our Lord, not to be involved and committed is to disobey him and would indicate the Christian is not walking in the, under the control of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit will always lead you to share testimony or be a witness. In fact, that's one cardinal reason why the Holy Spirit is given to us when we are baptized. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you and then you shall be my witnesses. That's it. Power to be an effective witness. So if you are to forget all the benefits of the Holy Spirit, please don't forget Acts chapter 1 verse 8. There are many benefits, and I believe that will take another sermon or benefit or teaching. You know, benefits of the Holy Spirit, how it guides us in every step of the way. But the main, the main reason is that you shall receive power. Power to live holy life, power to overcome temptation, power to do miracles, signs, and wonders. Power to raise the dead is in us so long as we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are the one who will always doubt the power of God. No, can I do this? It's not about you. It's about him who dwells in you. Amen. Yes, so don't have confidence in your flesh. Of yourself, you can do nothing. But with God, all things are possible. Abiding in him. Ways of abiding in Christ. The main test here is John chapter 15. Number one thing we need to do, we want to abide in Christ. Read the word of God and study the word of God. Reading the word of God is beneficial because that makes you to know God's will. And there's blessing for even reading the word of God. If you have been reading the word of God, you will not be studying the word of God. You need to go a step further. Study the word of God. Amen? Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 tells us that we need to study the word of God so that we will not be ashamed of... of uh, the tools that we have. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to study the word of God. When I was going to a Bible school in those days, when I went to Bible school, I found so many people in the school that were not pastors. Or it tended to become pastors. Then I wondered. I thought this place meant for those who are pastors alone, uh, who are called to the fivefold ministry and all that. But to my surprise, there are housewives there, there are people there, single people who just want to know the word of God. They just want to understand the word of God. And I believe God is well pleased with that. Amen. I had not become a pastor when I started to buy all those books, encyclopedia, you know, things like. Um, Commentaries, Bible commentaries, Bible dictionaries, in order to help me study the Word of God. I had great desire to study the Word of God. 
in due time, even though I never want to want to become a, a, a pastor, but God called me to be. Amen. I wanted to become a businessman who will raise money, who will bring money to the church, to develop the church. That's what. But you see, people are calling me pastor. I'm not a pastor. You call me a pastor until the time appointed. Amen. And the Lord said, This is what I've called you to be. Amen. Praise the Lord. I didn't resist though because I read stories of many people who resist the call of God and you know the repercussions. Please, if God is calling you and God can put a call on you, even today, please do not resist. God knows the best for you, and He has He, he knows the end from the beginning. Amen. So apart from studying the Bible and reading the word of God, you need to meditate upon it. Joshua 1.8 talks about meditating upon the word of God day and night. When you do that, you begin to, to know the promises of God for you, for every situation. Fellowship with other believers like we are doing now is very, very important. You know, Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, there are some people, they have that attitude. They feel that, oh, I don't even have to fellowship with other believers. I'm a Christian, I can fellowship, God is here. You know, after all, God is a miss. Eh? You know, I can fellowship at home. It's not the idea, it's not the best thing. God desires that we we'll come together and worship together. Amen. Amen. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exalting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. The coming of the Lord is very near. This is the time we need to encourage one another and instruct one another as to how we can get prepared for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Amen. So like we mentioned earlier, loving others and witnessing so winning is part of it. When you are led by the Spirit of God, you yield to the lead of the Spirit in this direction. You win souls. And he that winneth souls is wise. Abiding in Christ means depending on him for every every facet of our life. Every in business, in your job, in your marriage, in everything. You are confused, don't know what to do. That's when you need to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, he will help us. Now let's talk about examples of walking in the Spirit to drive the point home. I'm going to use the example of Apostle Peter. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise God. Yes, we're going to take a study of uh, Apostle Peter, how he walked how he was led by the Spirit of God. Let's go to Acts chapter 18, 6 to 10. Acts chapter 18, 6 to 10. You see something dramatic there about how God can lead, how God led Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 18, 6 to 10, verse 6. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from thence. From thenceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence 
I entered into a certain man's house named Justus, one that worshipped God, whose house, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief of the synagogues, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Praise the Lord. First of all, let's see. Now he was preaching to some people and they were resistant to the gospel. They didn't listen. Rather, they were setting up a revolt and persecution. What he did, what he did, he said, look, your blood be upon your own head. I am clean from this. I will go to the Gentiles. If you are preaching the gospel and people are not receiving you, why must you stay there? You keep on arguing, arguing, thinking that by argument you will win that person to Christ. Never. You don't argue. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict. Amen? When you open your mouth to speak the word of God, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. If the people they are not receiving, politely leave them and go to some other place. Like we can see here, verse 8, And Christopher, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. So they rejected the gospel somewhere. You go to another place. There are other people ready to hear you. Amen. Amen. Yes. Verse 9. Then speak the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. Amen. Amen. God encouraged him. When he was discouraged, not knowing what to do, God gave him direction. So when we are confused, not knowing what to do, Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. And we will testify in Jesus' name. Yes. Paul was greatly opposed to the ministry of the uh, Corinth. And he therefore decided to turn to the Gentiles. He received a lot of opposition. But why downcast? Why was in that situation? The Lord himself gave him a vision, telling him exactly what to do. Amen. Also in Acts chapter 16, 5 to 9. Acts chapter 16, 5 to 9. Something again happened there. Verse 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Verse 6, Acts chapter 16, verse 6 now. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they are said to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. Take note of something there. Verse 6 says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, they wanted to go there. But Holy Spirit said, No, don't go there. Think about it. You have very good motive now to go and preach the gospel. Is it not so? Uh-huh. And the Holy Ghost said, no. He's wiser. He's all wise. He's God himself. He said, don't go there. Then verse 7. 
after they were come to Mysia, they are said to go to Bithynia. But the spirit suffered them not. Again, no. What's happening? We had to go to that place to preach. Spirits forbid us. Say no. Then we came to another place. Priest said no. Uh -huh. What's happening? Let's see what's happening. Verse 8. And they passing by Mysia came down to Tross. And in a vision, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia. And prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Praise the Lord. Come over to Macedonia and help us. They went to preach somewhere, Holy Spirit restrained them. Went to another place, Holy Spirit restrained them. But when they came to trust, saw a vision. So a man was becoming, Please come over. Come over this place. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, this is Holy Spirit leading them. Even in their missionary journeys. Holy Spirit will lead you in marriage as to how to behave and to respond to your wife and to your spouse. He will lead you in business. He will guide you in ministry. Every aspect of your life in your job he will lead you. Amen. Because your helper is there to help you. Now, let's see what happened. Did this one bear fruit? Because they wanted to preach and they were restrained and now a voice said, come over to Macedonia. They now went to Macedonia. And let's see what happened in that place. Whether the purpose of God was fulfilled. But when they came to Macedonia, something happened. Verse 20. And when they were already in Macedonia, they had come now to Macedonia, according to the vision. And brought them Verse 20, and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble, exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, against Paul and Silas. And the magistrate rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Is it not surprising, brethren? Just visualize what is happening. Went to that place. Don't go there. Okay, okay, let's go to this place. Say, don't go there. Then a trust receive a vision. Come over to Macedonia and help us. They are now in Macedonia. The first welcome, instead of a, a, a red carpet welcome, is hostility and opposition. They were not being accused. Look, this poor, they, they have turned everywhere upside down. We don't welcome them. They, and they brought them before the magistrate. What did they do? Apart from opposing them, they beat them seriously. They beat them seriously. If you were the one who didn't say, Oh, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. But be patient. Amen? Amen. Be patient. And when they have laid many strikes upon them, verse 23, they cast them into prison. My God. That voice that said we should come over to Macedonia, is it of God or of the devil? If it's God leading us, why would they come and imprison us? They are opposing us now. We must have been having this in their mind. Who, having received such a charge, throws them into the inner prison 
and made their feet as fast in the stocks. They chained them. But something happened. Instead of grumbling, instead of being confused, Paul and Silas decided to praise God at midnight. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful. I believe God will teach us everything from this story. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners held them. It was not just quiet. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaking. And immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were loosened. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled away. Look at the drama. The chief jailer. He found suddenly the prison doors were open. How can I tell my boss that you know, the prison doors just open? Have you ever heard of that in history? Have you ever dreamt of such a thing? You must go for it. You must die yourself. That was the implication. That's why he wanted, oh, before they silence me, let me silence myself. But Paul was very quick. He said, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. let him kill himself. You see, back to sender. Mm-hmm. Don't get, uh-huh. Now, look at what he said. Let's follow the story. Let's follow the story. Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great echo. We read that. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bound were losing. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoner had fled. But Paul cried out to him with a loud voice, No, stop it, stop it, don't do that. Do thyself no harm, for we are here. We are not running away. We are not running away. Then he called for a light. It was midnight, and sprang on no electricity that time. Hmm. And came up trembling. This is the jailer. The man who had authority to bind him and put him in the inner prison. Yes. Now he was trembling before Paul and Silas. Paul, Silas. And fell down before Paul and Silas. Veteran. And brought them out. And said, Sars, what must I do to be saved? Wonderful. God, you are wonderful. You are awesome. God. His ways are past finding out. Wonderful God. Verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Let's see what happened. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straight away. Let me say something there. Now, you see, a miracle is happening here. First miracle, the prisoners were open. Now, they did just run away. Mm-hmm. Rather, I saw somebody in danger. I said, do that, said no harm. And they preached the gospel to him and his house. This was night time, midnight. And they believed. Because it came from them. What must I do now to be saved? So it was a pot preaching so much, so much. They were already, he was very hungry for the word. 
please, I want to be saved. I've seen the power of God in action. No argument about it. No controversy. Jesus Christ the Lord. What must I do to be saved? So he preached the gospel to them and they, they, they received the gospel and were saved with his own house. See something there? That same night, that same hour, they were baptized that received the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In various congregations and different churches today, we have a, a lot of traditions surrounding baptism and all that. When people receive the Lord Jesus Christ, what stopped them from being baptized? The Ethiopian eunuch, when he received Christ, he said, look, he was the one that said, look, I have received Christ. You preach the gospel to me. Now, what stopped me from being baptized? Came from there. Once you receive Christ, you are qualified for baptism. Amen. Amen. You don't have to know the book, uh, uh, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Because in the name of catechism or whatever, teaching, special studies and all that, he said, he is not qualified yet to be baptized, all this kind of stuff. Though I passed through that in those days when I was in a Catholic sister and all that, but I found that it's not what obtains in the Bible, in the book of Acts. When people receive Christ, the next thing is that they get baptized. Are you here? You have received the Lord Jesus Christ, but you are not yet baptized. What are you waiting for? Many years ago, you know, in Nigeria, there's a lawyer friend, a barrister, and they were having a talk together, I think fellowship. And this is a barrister, grown-up person. You see, ah, I have a problem. What's the problem? You see, I have not been baptized. The reason is that, you know, they say we should be coming for lectures, special lectures, lecture, lecture, lecture after lecture. I'm not able to attend because of my work and all that. And, you know, I'm not baptized for so long, for years. I said, wow, this thing happens? I said, what? Why? He said, because I have not been able to pass through the classes. That's why I'm not baptized. Wow, I'm, I was surprised. He said, what about your husband? He said, the same thing. He too had known the Lord Jesus Christ, but because of this protocol, he's not baptized. I said, okay. I brought, I brought both of them to the church so that they can be baptized instantly. That's how it ought to be. These ones, they received Christ that night and were baptized that night. The Ethiopian, you know, received Christ that night and was baptized almost instantaneously. We ought not to delay. And then, parents, what about your children? You are waiting for a particular age. Is it age 18? America is now dictating where people should be baptized. Are you waiting for age 18 before you get them baptized? Wonderful. So long as they are able to know right from wrong. So long as no, um, they are about 11, 12 years old. They should be sensible not to get baptized. Even before then, should be sensible not to get baptized. They have received Christ. Encourage them. Don't put stumbling blocks on their ways. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. After that, then they need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yes, they need to be told so that they can desire. So, example of Paul and Salah tell us that in the present, you see, when there is adversity, it does not mean that God is absent. God sent them the way to Macedonia. That voice, no, was led of the Lord. See, come over to Macedonia and help us. And we saw the fruit. God wanted them to go to Macedonia. That's why he restrained them from going to the other places, Bithynia, and other places where they wanted to go. Holy Spirit can always lead us and guide us, similarly in Jesus' name. Great miracles took place, 
and the household was saved. To be to continually walk in the spirit, we must practice what I call it, or somebody has called it, spiritual breathing. We all breathe. We breathe in and we breathe out. We breathe in and we breathe out. What happens when we breathe in? We breathe in fresh air, oxygen, and we breathe out carbon dioxide. Poisonous to us now because the body has processed through metabolism and all that. Now, when you breathe in fresh air, the impure air goes out. Amen? Spiritual breathing means inhaling the pure, the pure in faith and exercise in faith that enables God's love and forgiveness and to work in the spirit. What that means? When you are inhaling pure, pure, when you want to breathe in, you are getting forgiveness. You are getting forgiveness for your transgression for any way you sin against God. When God forgives you, you get rid of all those garbage. Amen. Yeah, the sin that beset you. Always breathe in, then breathe out. When you ask God, say, forgive me, you are breathing fresh air. Amen. And then he forgives through forgiveness, he get rid of the bad habit, it is of the flesh. So that's how we overcome. In the spirit. So if you sin, what do you do? You exhale by confessing your sin to God. If you sin against your brother or your sister, tell your brother, I'm sorry. Your sister, I'm sorry. When you do that, you through confession, then you get forgiveness. That's breathing fresh air. Amen. Fresh air of the spirit. This enables us to walk in the spirit moment by moment on him. With an unhindered fellowship between God and His children. First John chapter one verse nine says, First John chapter one verse nine. What does it say? Let's read it. First John chapter one verse nine. Makes provision for us when, if any, if any time we offend God, we sin against God. Say if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anytime you sin against God, anytime, or against your neighbor, this is the attitude. Breathe in and breathe out. Confess and receive forgiveness. Amen? Amen. That's how to maintain it. No, I say, oh, because you are a Christian, you, ne- you never sin. Or in many ways, we sin against God. By sins of confession, omission, and all that, we sin against God. But when Holy Spirit convicts us, we promptly, promptly obey and ask for forgiveness. Remember what God says in Romans 8, verse 14, say, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. May the Lord lead us, may the Lord guide us unto spiritual maturity, unto the stature of the fullness of Christ in the name of Jesus. Amen. Are you here listening to me and you have not given your life to Jesus? In a moment, we saw how the jailer received Christ. He didn't say, oh, come to church the next day. Instantaneously, wherever, in prison house, at midnight, that family was saved. So you too can receive Christ right now as I'm talking. All you need to do is realize that you are a sinner and that you are under condemnation. But the good news is that Jesus Christ is there for you. Jesus Christ 
the propitiation for sin is the ransom. He has become, you know, the ransom that God has provided for your sin. Without sacrifice, no nothing was cleansed in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Just accept him into your life. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I am a sinner. Have mercy upon me. Cleanse me of every unrighteousness. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried for me. I believe you rose again for my justification. And I believe you are coming back again. Thank you, Father. When you say that prayer sincerely in your heart, that's the beginning. I made that great confession 48 years ago. I have no regrets for making that confession. Confessing my faith in Christ. Jesus Christ became my Lord and Master. May the Lord uphold you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord preserve you. Blameless spirit, soul, and body. You want to is coming in the name of Jesus Christ. Many of us are listening and they are weak and confused or have sickness in their bodies. I'm going to speak. You receive the word of God. You receive the word of God. I don't have to lay my hands upon you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command healing upon those who Lord have afflicted this hour. Those who are sick in their bodies. The power to forgive sin is the same power to heal. Even the same power to raise the dead. Lord, I command, oh Lord, their heads spring back to normalcy now in the name of Jesus. We come again the spirit of death. Those who are in pain and in anguish and in sorrow, I command life unto your mortal body. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. Receive your healing because Jesus is our healer. By the stripes of Jesus Christ, you were healed 2,000 years ago. Stand upon the word of God and enforce Satan's defeat in your life. It is well with you. It is well with you, brethren. May the Lord give us grace to walk in the spirit so that at Jesus' coming, none of us will be left behind. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.